All right, time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Happy hump day. Let's talk about the Canada-U.S. border and when it's going to reopen again. Now, later on in the show, I'll speak to a guy named Brian Higgins, who is a, an American congressman. Mm-hmm. He is the co-chair of the Northern Border Caucus in the U.S. Congress. Mm. He represents a, a constituency in up, Upper State New York, and he wants that border opened up again. In fact, he wants it opened right away. Pressure's mounting, so Pressure's tomorrow... Pressure's mounting. Tomorrow, the premiers and the prime minister are going to be having their their meeting virtually, uh, and top of mind and top of the agenda is going to be uh, opening the border. The question is when, of course, that's a big question, and how. Uh, what are going to be the rules? It's not going to be wide open. You know, this is there's going to be rules. Uh, the prime minister has suggested that one thing he wants to see is it's uh, confined to only people with two doses, fully vaccinated people crossing the border. That's relatively few Canadians at this point. Uh, much more Americans are in that category. We were about 12% as of yesterday, I believe. They were hovering around 50%, two doses. That's one thing. Also, do we have an international passport? We've talked about that before. Um, there's been no infrastructure set up, to my mind, uh, to have an international passport on either side of the border. So there's a lot of moving parts here. But make no mistake, the pressure is mounting to open the border. The tourism sector does not want to go through another zero summer uh, a whole bunch of businesses businesses would fail, and any tourism operator will tell you you cannot survive on domestic tourism alone. You need international tourism, and that means Americans. Okay, well, let's listen to Premier John Horgan speaking on this point about when the border will reopen, and here's Horgan. I want to see a clear plan from the federal government on how they're going to monitor uh, who's coming, how they're coming. Okay, that's Horgan. He seems to be taking a tougher stand on keeping the border closed, and you got some well, other premiers sort of lobbying for an earlier opening. Yeah, Jason Kenney wants an yeah. earlier opening uh, at that Western Premiers Conference yesterday. Made that clear. Horgan, I, I, you know, John Horgan has gone from outright do not open the border to oh, sort of a grudging acceptance that the border will be open. Because uh, this is a federal decision. It's got nothing to do with B.C. in terms of uh, responsibility here or jurisdiction. But he sort of accepted the border will open at some point this summer, wants to ensure it's done as safely as possible. Again, it's not going to be wide open. We're not going to see everybody being able to drive down to Blaine and, and cross. Uh, there's going to be some strict rules, and it's likely the requirement for two doses. Okay, June 21st, I believe, is the next date when they would renew yeah. the, the sort of a mo- rolling monthly closure That's of the That's why there's a speculation that June 22nd is going to be the magic day. Which, is that possible? Again, I just I just think there's so much work to be done. I don't see how it could be done that quickly. I think yeah. it's more likely sometime in July would be my betting uh, for for opening this thing again to limit it on a limited basis, not wide open. Okay, and we have we have Horgan meeting. Who's Horgan meeting with later this week on this? He's meeting with all the premiers and right. with the prime minister on Thursday. Uh, right. That's going to be their their big meeting again, not in person but virtually. And opening the border when and how is going to be top of mind. Okay, we continue to follow that one very closely, and I think you're right. I think it's going to have to be a double vaccinated rule, and it's it's going to create some inequities, though, right? Because oh, you could sure. have more Americans would be able to travel here than than going the other way, Canadians yeah. traveling across the border. So the United States has done uh, basically anybody who wants to get vaccinated, get vaccinated because they have so much vaccine. Um, but they've got a very low take-up rate uh, for, for second doses, um, and it varies from state to state. The American South and the Midwest have relatively low vaccination rates compared to the West Coast and the Northeast uh, part of uh, the United States. But 
again, do you do you limit uh, this to to two doses? Well, there's an, uh, in BC. I think we're at twelve percent two doses, and we're increasing yeah. every every day. It's going I up. Mean, we're doing forty thousand second doses a day or so, and that's gonna that number is gonna start increasing. But you start doing the math. It took a long time to get to two million doses or three million first doses. It's gonna take some time to get to that many. Okay, despite doses. that, BC uh, putting out some pretty impressive numbers yesterday, and the number of people who at least received the first yeah. dose, and across Canada, the number is also looking pretty good on the vaccine vaccination rate. And here's a clip of Sally Otto from UBC from your story last night on Global News talking about vaccinating young people she thinks is the key. Here she is. What we're seeing with Delta in the UK is that it's the younger people that are really susceptible because they haven't been vaccinated. So the more we can protect our our, our younger adults and our, our youth with vaccines, the less able Delta will be to kind of take hold in the province. Yeah, so Sally Alto there, UBC professor, is talking about the Delta variant. And the reason we interviewed her about this was that, look what's going on in the United Kingdom, where the Delta variant, which is more transmissible, can lead to more severe illness and hospitalizations, is the dominant uh, COVID-19 variant in the UK right now. It is impact infecting younger people at a greater rate because COVID-19 infects younger people at a greater rate. Right from day one, the people aged 20 to 30 have been the number one age group with the most num- COVID numbers, but they don't get hospitalized uh, nearly as much as older people. Where the Delta variant's a concern in the UK, though, not only is it infecting younger people, just like it regular COVID-19 does, they made a decision not to vaccinate younger people for some unfathomable reason uh, in the United Kingdom. I, so my report last night pointed out under 30, we're at about 66%, 65%. Uh, UK is at 24%. That's why it's a, a real bad situation in the UK and why, fingers crossed, the Delta variant won't get out of control in BC because the age group that it infects the most is getting vaccinated at a much higher rate than we saw in the UK. And the number of people, uh, we're, we're at 50% already between 12 and 17, very quickly. So. Uh, fingers crossed. Because we decided to vaccinate the gr- age group that gets infected the most, we may avoid the worst uh, outcomes when it comes to the Delta variant. Okay, something to watch closely for sure. Let's uh, switch gears, talk a little federal politics here, Keith. And I'm fascinated, I know you are too, with what's going on in the federal Green Party. Uh, they got a civil war going on oh, yeah. over there. You just saw one of the Green Party MPs. They used to have three MPs. They're down to two now after one of their MPs have flipped over to the Liberals and crossed the floor. Her name is Jess, uh, Jenica Atwin, as the, now the Liberal MP after she ditched the Green Party. And here she is uh, talking about that, Jenica Atwin. I'm Jenica. I'm from Fredericton. And I have the same priorities and the same values that I've always had. Okay, except now she's a liberal, not a Green Party MP. Well, this so what's is, going on here? So what's going on is the simmering, festering problem the Green, federal Green Party has had for years over the issue of is the Israeli-Palestine conflict. It's get, r- given rise to charges of anti-Semitism. Uh, you've now got a leader, Anne-Marie Paul, who's being accused, whose um, policy on Israel is not what uh, Ms. Litwin supports. Um, but it's interesting, Litwin, who, who's very pro-Palestine, anti-Israel, has gone over to the federal liberals who back Israel in the United Nations. So it's, uh, something's not right on that. I think this reflects more that there's a very bitter, ugly internal fight happening in the federal Green Party. It may cause Ms. Paul her leadership. 
Um, you've got the Green Party. I mean, it's a, it's a caucus of two yeah. with Elizabeth May, who's a very still a very strong personality, and I don't see her relinquishing control of uh, a number of uh, levers in the in the federal Green Party. This is going to play out uh, over the summer. Okay, I'm trying to get Annamie Paul, the federal Green Party leader, to be a guest on the show here, and I was corresponding yesterday with her press secretary, and I find her an in- intriguing political uh, figure in Canada. So I would love to get her on the show, and hopefully we can we can make that happen. And she is certainly under a lot of pressure. There was a, a meeting today of uh, Green Party officials where mm-hmm. some of her enemies are trying to trigger her ouster there in some sort of yeah. a leadership review. They've come up with a, a policy now that she has to repudiate the comments of one of her advisors. Yeah, Noah Zatzman. Noah Zatzman. Okay, so this guy is an advisor to the federal Green Party leader who at one point posted on social media that he w- they would try to work uh, to defeat uh, their own MP. Over the because they were um, because they weren't pro-Israel enough. So yeah, he, so they've got this uh, down to two two MPs, and he's attacked them yeah. on social media. Now they want a retraction. Uh, it's again, it's an ugly mess in a party that really still is struggling to get beyond fringe party status, and they're they're now behaving like a fringe party because of this internal. I guess blowout. you know some of them. I guess they're pointing a finger at enemy Paul, saying she's too pro-Israel. I mean, she she is a converted to Judaism, which is interesting. But like you said, I mean, you could make an argument that Justin Trudeau and the federal liberals are even more pro-Israel. Yep. And that, enemy Paul. And that raises questions about the true motivations of Ms. Litwin's uh, defection to oh, the yeah. so Something else is going on. Something's there. going on there. So we continue to follow that one very closely. You could have to call me on the open line on that if you have any thoughts on it. Yeah, I'm trying to get enemy Paul to be a guest on the show here. Hopefully we can make that happen uh, this week. Okay, let me play this real quickly for you, Keith. At Aaron O'Toole on the show earlier today, the federal conservative leader calling for the resignation of the federal defense minister, Harjit Sajjan, of course, a Vancouver MP, over the sexual misconduct scandal that's rocking mm-hmm. the, the upper ranks of the Canadian military brass. And, um, you know, it's interesting. The liberals try to turn it back on him and say, look, it was the previous conservative government or Stephen Harper actually hired this guy, Vance. Okay, they hired the guy, mm-hmm. and O'Toole actually had raised concerns about him back then because he'd heard rumors about uh, his, about his conduct. And I put that to O'Toole this morning, and I asked him, did you guys adequately investigate this guy when you were in power? Here's what O'Toole told me. I heard rumors of a personal relationship between ranks. That was looked at. It wasn't a, it wasn't a rumor of harassment, and that is why we ordered the Deschamps report, Mike, there was a cultural problem in the military. I hate saying this as a veteran, but there yeah. is a lack of accountability. And if I was to have my daughter, who's 14, want to join the military, I want to make sure she can do that free of harassment and with respect. Okay, this is getting kind of messy, but he's calling for Harjit Sajjan to resign. That's not going to happen. Trudeau's not going to fire him, especially with an election looming. No, that's called trophy hunting. That's just <laughs> uh, that's not going to happen before an election. You know, our our global colleague in Ottawa, Mercedes Stevenson, has broken most of the stories yes. on this file, um, and it is it's a continuing mess. I mean, this golf game now involving <laughs> others just like talk about tone deaf people. This um, is uh, yeah, Jonathan Vance, former chief of the defense staff, under investigation, and a couple and of other top military Brasco golfing. Yeah, with. and there's been more resignations. It is a mess. I'm not yeah. sure. It's, well, I'm pretty sure it's not going to lead to a resignation. It may lead to a post cabinet shuffle, though. Po- post election shuffle. Yeah, that's more likely to happen than a resignation. Okay, you expect an election this fall? I still do. I still yeah. think uh, Trudeau's trigger figure is getting a little more itchier. Okay. All right. Let's open the phone lines on this now. So phone me on any of that. 604-280-9898 is the number to call. 
Yeah, you wanted to make one, a plug. One more thing, a real uh, plug here for a great online article uh, by Richard Zussman, Amy Judd, and Simon Little of Global VC. They took a real deep dive into the data in the pandemic to explore how our lives have changed, literally, uh, when it comes to things like driving, shopping, having babies, adopting pets, uh, you name it. Uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating read. I invite everyone to go online and okay. check it out. That's on the Global News website. Yeah. All right, welcome back. Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry is my guest. Phone lines are open 604-280-9898, star 9898 on your cell. Jason in Abbotsford. Hey, Jason. Uh, yeah, I was just wondering, um, in the States, you don't need a vaccine passport or whatever to go to the States, do we? It's just no. to come home. Well, no, there's no vaccine passport, uh, period, yet. Uh, I think Israel has one, but uh, for internal use. But we don't have one. There's been speculation and talk that we may likely uh, have one, either from one country or another, probably both. Uh, and there's a difference between international pass- vaccine passports and domestic passports. I mean, there are some jurisdictions say you need a you know vaccine passport to get into a theater. We're not there yet, and I don't think we will be there. But I wouldn't be surprised if we have an international one. Just where we have international requirements for vaccines or, or for uh, shots if uh, for, to ward off yellow fever, for example, if you want to go to certain Latin American do you think, countries. Do you think it would be like an electronic passport? Like when you say passport, you think of like a, a, a booklet, a, a book, paper yeah. passport, like your the normal passport. It could passport. be an app. It could, could be like an app on your phone, yeah. yeah. But not everyone has a phone. Just keep that yeah. in mind. You know, a lot of seniors don't have uh, apps. So it could, it could be a combination of both. Okay, 604-280-9898 is the number to call. Star 9898 on your cell. Dwight in Kelowna. Hey, Dwight. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Go ahead. Three things quickly. Uh, Department of Defense, a total mess. It's unfortunate that uh, regardless of party, when they get in these situations, nobody ever seems to be accountable, and the, and the people that suffer are the, the men that serve in the department. It's, it's really, really sad and I believe this minister, I was excited at first when he came in, but I've, he's been a big disappointment and uh, deflects mm-hmm. everything. Um, the uh, Green Party, also a mess. Um, I, as a, ta- or as a taxpayer and a voter, would prefer that if somebody wants, they shouldn't be able to cross party lines and join and change parties. They should resign their seat and there should be a by-election because I don't think uh, the people that okay. voted for yeah. may, may yeah. be pleased. Dwight, thank you for that. Okay, it's interesting on the floor crossing. There. I think most people don't like floor crossing. Yeah. You know, uh, they vote for. I think most people vote for the party, in some rare uh, exceptions where the the candidate has enough of a personal resonance with voters, or maybe they've been there a long time. They've got some loyalty, but I can't believe uh, this uh, particular candidate was voted because of who she is. It's more that she was a Green Party candidate. It was sort of at the at the right moment at the right time. If you take a look at the history of, of MPs who have switched parties and then run for re-election, most of them do not get re-elected. No. They, most of them write their political epitaph when they when they pull this kind of stunt. Except for Winston Churchill. Yes, and he did it twice, I believe, right? Cross the and floor he did, twice. he did a few other things, too. He so. did. But if you take a look at someone like um, uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould, who was under a lot of pressure to cross the floor and join other parties, she didn't do it. She sat as an independent, and guess what? She got she re-elected. Got re-elected. So, that, that's the template, I think. If you want to express your dissatisfaction with your own caucus, go sit as yeah. an independent. Let's go to Mark in Delta. Hi, Mark. Morning, Mike. Oh, hi, Keith. Uh, Keith, um, I'm a, I guess I'm a, a, a relic of the past, although I'm not that old. I don't carry a cell phone. Digital passport, is there going to be an option for something tied in, like a stamp to your actual passport, to your Nexus card? 
yeah, some all, sort all, of driver's license? Or? All good questions. We don't know the answers yet. We don't know if there's going to be an international passport. This has not been decided yet. Uh, I don't think it will be confined to a digital um, requirement because, as you mentioned, not everyone has a digital presence. Oh, I think it's going to – it may very well be the old-fashioned paper kind. But, again, no decision has been made. No details have been worked out yet. We're really at the beginning of the process. Okay, John and Burnaby. John, please go quickly. I, I, I sure will. Um, I, I downloaded the BC Services app on my phone, and since I've done that, I am now able to uh, view uh, a card, a digital card that shows both my first and second vaccine, the batch number, mm-hmm. where I got it, and everything. Yep. And ultimately, the BC Services card is going to be linked to Canada Services. Before they had that hack, there was going to be a link. So that digital okay. card already almost exists. Yeah, and that could very well be the basis of a of a international passport. So you know the the technology is there. Again, I don't think it's going to be confined to digital. 